Today on the Callahan Show, well, he's best known as the man who killed bin Laden, but he's also the guy who is just not backing down from uh, taking on the uh, generals, the, the leaders, the, the president in the uh, U.S. military. He is uh, Rob O'Neill, and uh, we uh, sat down and talked to Rob. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't want to miss it. He was really good. He holds nothing back. Also today, we'll uh, play a Jen Psaki's little quarrel with Peter Ducey, and boy, is it dumb. I don't know who told Jen Psaki to, <laughs> to take this route, but uh, we'll play it for you. Also, uh, Andrew Cuomo is no more. He left the uh, mansion yesterday, the governor's mansion, and uh, we knew he was a really bad guy, but the way he left, what he left behind proved it. He is just the lowest form of life. Farewell to Killer Cuomo. We'll get into all that today on the Callahan Show, brought to you by DCU. Whether you're buying your first home, your dream home, or looking to refinance the home you love, DCU may have the mortgage program to fit your needs, and more importantly, your budget. Their mortgage experts will walk you through the application process and help remove the hurdles that make it so difficult and confusing. They'll bring you right up to the front steps of home ownership. Learn more about rates and programs or to apply today at dcu.org slash mortgage. DCU is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 466914, insured by NCUA, membership required. All right, Corrado, let's do this. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. All right, we will get to, to Rob O'Neill, the man who killed bin Laden, who was terrific, I must say. You've, uh, you've never... Uh, I had any experience with him. We've had him on the show before. I think he was our first guest or our second guest when we started this thing a year and a half ago. He was better. This, he was good then. He's always good. He's always unvarnished, unfiltered, and, and he's always uh, speaks from the heart. But I think he was better this time because I think he feels a uh, obligation to speak for the people who don't have a voice, who aren't necessarily getting invited on on, on podcasts and talk shows. And he speaks for the boots and not the suits, and um, he does not hold back when talking about his disdain for military leadership and the specific generals who are calling the shots now, or the specific commander-in-chief who was calling the shots now. Um, you did your finest work editing, helping us out. You like that. It wasn't bad, huh? <laughs> you did. Yep. You did. You did a, a good job. You, you. Uh, saved the day. But I would say Rob was just so cool, too. He didn't you know, we had technical difficulties. He's like, no problem. We'll just keep going. And we kept going. And he was great. All right. He was I'll give you a quick, quick tease before we get to Rob. You play me. OK, you play Callahan and ask me about the generals. I'm Rob O'Neill. You ask me about what I think of the generals. Go ahead. Hey, Rob, what do you what do you think of the generals? They're a bunch of friggin morons. <laughs> and the generals hate him. There's a couple. There's one guy in particular on Twitter, a general. I don't know. He's working for some probably NBC or something now, and he hates Rob O'Neill. And it's great because you could just tell. You know, he's used to uh, having his way with underlings. You know, shut them up. You know, throw them in the in the brig, whatever. And demote them, strip them of their rank, whatever. And he can't do anything about rob now because rob is, is a, a free man he's a civilian now and he can say what the hell he wants at least for now he's still on twitter he's still uh, able to to, uh, to have a voice and it's a really important voice but we will get to that we get we got one or two things to get to before we get to our guest uh here, here's how you know somebody particularly in politics or in the news somebody's in trouble that's when you know that they're flailing 
that they're desperate, that they're drowning. When they, when you quarrel over the definition of words, you know, famously when Bill Clinton said, depends on the definition of is, that was not a really strong defense right there. No. And then, you know, you knew that Bill Clinton was in big trouble. I felt similar today watching Jen Psaki, uh, the Ginger Goebbels was back from vacation. Didn't seem to have much of a tan. I'm not sure. Maybe it was uh, the weather. I mean, it was probably she's probably up in the vineyard and they had a lot of rain, a lot of cloudy days. So she didn't seem to get a lot of sun. But she came back and she took uh, offense to the most innocuous term uh, from Peter Ducey, of course. Peter Ducey was there. He's at times, oftentimes, the only journalist in the room. The rest are Democrat operatives with press passes, but all you need is one. All you need is Peter Ducey because these people are so thin-skinned and so used to getting their way that they can't handle any tough question, as I've pointed out many times. So he comes back, raring to go, and he points out that the number of uh, there's a number of Americans still stranded in Kabul, stranded in Afghanistan, which to me, I didn't think that was disputable. I didn't think no. that was debatable. I mean, they keep bragging about getting out. They said they got out 37,000 people in whatever it's been, four or five days. I saw, saw 42,000 today, actually. Oh, it's up to 42. It's, yeah. it's going up every day, which is good. But did you know that how many of them are American? Like 10%. <laughs> they're getting out a hell of a lot of translators and interpreters and their families. And uh, the vetting process for all of them will be interesting. as. Uh, as my girl Ann Coulter pointed out in her most recent column, uh, Afghan, uh, Af Afghanistan refugees have not exactly assimilated seamlessly, seamlessly into Europe. There's been a lot of issues. Well, it's got to be a lot a of cultural differences. It's got to be so different, so different for them. But in this case, there's no vetting. I mean, they'll say there's vetting, but you've seen the planes. You've yeah. seen the scene at the airport. Of course, there's no actual vetting. So there may be, I don't know, a fanatic or two slipping through the cracks. And I guess we'll, we'll wait. We'll have to find out. Because right now, they're just taking everyone who can talk their way through the airport, anyone who doesn't you know, get beaten by the Taliban uh, who uh, are, are, are surrounding the airport. Obviously, we control the airport. They control everything around it, which is kind of problematic. But anyway, they're getting out tens of thousands of people, including a few Americans, but not everybody. And we've heard some horror stories. We've heard some some you know phone calls into uh, talk shows and people frantically trying to get the paper get the right paperwork or get permission or f find the right connection i just heard uh, 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 some uh, former officer on fox saying you need a connection you can't just go there and say you know I'm, i worked for the americans i whatever i was an interpreter you need a name you need somebody to make a call for you that's your only way out well they're doing it there are people working hard hell you know tom cotton uh, said that he spent the whole weekend trying to help people get out of Afghanistan while Chuck Schumer was busy dancing with Stephen Colbert. But that's another story. Back to Jen Psaki. Hey, wait, wait. Before and you do that, though, you make that's an excellent point. That's what our you. that's that's what our our senators and Congress people should be doing right now. They should be dialing twenty four hours a day to get people out, not hosting events in Napa, not dancing in the streets with Colbert. That's ridiculous. These are the most two most powerful people in Congress. And one was dancing with Colbert at a concert in Central Park. And the other was in Napa hosting a fundraiser for uh, hundreds of fat cats. None of them wore, even though they were fat cats, none of them wore a mask. 
And it was up to $29,000 per plate. These are the kind of people you're dealing with, the kind of elitists, these arrogant SOBs who don't give a damn about, yeah, they don't care about these refugees, not unless they can be guaranteed they will vote for the Democrats. They don't care about them. But anyway, back to Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey, which was which was great. I think that's the only reason to tune in, to listen to what Ducey's going to ask and how, how Psaki will respond. He asks about people stranded and she doesn't say you know we're doing our best or you know she, you know we're getting people out just give us time there's you know not that many people have died although a two-year-old child got trampled and killed at the airport it hasn't been the carnage that some expected no she takes offense to the word stranded and says bizarrely that there is nobody stranded nobody i mean i, I don't know about you but i've been stranded at an airport once or twice in my life i know what stranded is that is stranded to the extreme. That's stranded on steroids, to quote Joe Biden. That is as, as stranded as you can get, being trapped behind enemy lines with a with a, a bunch of Taliban savages knocking on doors and looking for you. You don't get more stranded than that. But according to Jen Psaki, that word doesn't apply. Can we listen to the exchange between uh, the great Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki? No American stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right? I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. Okay, okay she takes a set exception to the word. All right. Do you think there are people, Americans, who are trying to get into the airport, trying to get on a plane. If there are, and they have yet to get on the plane, they, that is the definition of being stranded. That doesn't mean, you know, they're being murdered, at least not yet. Uh, they're, 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 that doesn't mean you won't necessarily get them out. That means they're stranded. That, and I guess we've gone into complete spin, complete PR overdrive, because there's really no explanation there's no there's no rationale there's no justification for what biden ordered done here the 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 crisis that he created there's just no understanding it nobody understands it nobody can make sense of it so she's trying to quarrel about the words saying people aren't stranded but i'm telling you that you got to pick your spots if you're jen saki you're a pr you have to pick your spots where you're going to fight with the press you're going to fight with the press over that word I mean, of course, there are people stranded. You nitwit. Um, I don't know if there's more sake you want to play, oh, but I, I think I, I'd like to. I think I'd like to play the woman who's an American, we believe, who who, who still has a phone. <laughs> she made a phone call um, from inside, I guess, her home or inside somewhere in uh, Kabul. She can't get to the airport. She's afraid for her life. She thinks the, the Taliban is going to come knocking at her door any minute. And you tell me, Jen Psaki, you tell me if this is not the definition of a person being stranded. Listen to the fear in this woman's voice. We are devastated, but we're scared for our lives. Every moment that a car passes by, I feel like they're going to pull in and execute us. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to see my children again. 
I don't know. You think she's just decided to stay an extra couple of days? You know, sometimes you're on vacation, you're having a good time. You say, let's check with the hotel, see if they can uh, give us a couple extra nights, see if it's available. You think that's the story behind that woman? Or do you think, Jen Psaki, she might be <laughs> stranded? What do you guess? I mean, what a dumb, a dumb thing to get defensive over. I mean, of course there are people stranded there. That's the problem. I mean, it's, it's such a stupid thing to get defensive over. You could brag again. You could brag about the 42,000. You could brag about the really this. I mean, they had a shootout yesterday at the airport and one die, one death, which to me is amazing. And it's amazing. I'm I'm just going to say it, that the, 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 the savages, these tell these these the sixth century barbarians have not committed any atrocities. We know what they're capable of. We know what they've done in the past. They haven't yet used, <laughs> as far as we know, they haven't yet used our Blackhawk or our, or our or our drones against us. They've they've mocked us. They've mocked the uh, Marines on uh, at Mount uh, at Iwo Jima. They've certainly um, um, insulted demeaned the uh, Biden administration when they say that they're not going to stand for an extension of the August 31st deadline. That to me is remarkable. You have these people that we've essentially handed them the country. These, these, again, these savages, these barbarians, these, these cavemen, they've handed them the country. They get, and not only that, you know, we know they've handed them a $700 million uh, embassy and, and, a, and an airport and an air force base and weapons and planes and helicopters and billions and billions of dollars worth of our stuff. And the mere mention of extending the August 31st deadline, they say, no deal, no deal. <laughs> you do that and uh, it's going to be trouble. And Biden, of course, well, whoever, whoever is really calling the shots is sitting there going, uh Oh, I mean that, that, uh, that uh, Blinken, who's just an embarrassment, he said, it's reality. They control Kabul. There's nothing we can do. Um, you know what? I think I'll ask Rob O'Neill when we hook up with Rob O'Neill. I think I'll ask him, what could we do? I'm going to guess Rob O'Neill. Robert O'Neill has a uh, suggestion that um, perhaps uh, Tony Blinken wouldn't understand or, or Biden wouldn't understand, but he has a way that maybe we could uh, regain control over Kabul if we if we wanted to, if that's what it took to get all our people out. It is amazing. That's eight days away, right? Yeah. Eight days, seven days away. If we're not, if everyone's not out, if every American's not out, what happens? I'm not, I'm sorry, Jensaki, but do we strand them there? Do we go like the way the uh, the way the British did and the French went? Do the, we go in there with uh, commandos and and find them and pull them out and take them out? Or do we ask nicely of the Taliban? We'll give you some more Blackhawks if you just give us our people. This could get really, really, really embarrassing for uh, Biden. Not that it's not already, but again, the casualties have been limited. The numbers of people getting out, not necessarily Americans, but people we want our allies getting them out are good. Hopefully that continues. And there hasn't been a lot of, you know, a lot of craziness yet. We'll see if, what happens in the next seven days, but I'm still don't have a good feeling about that deadline and what happens if there's a phone call like that you just played in, in someone saying, you know, I'm stuck here. I can't get out. The deadline's passing. No more flights. They're going to take over the airport. What do I do? I'll, I wouldn't have a lot of faith in Joe Biden or Tony Blinken or, 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 or Mark, Mark Milley or any of the other 
hacks that are calling the shots. So but, uh, uh, Ducey does ask uh, Saki another question about Biden and if he knows like what's going ticked. on yeah well yeah that but if he knows why people are ticked uh do you want to hear that one too I think I, sure let's good. listen to that does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving afghanistan it's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these americans who are now stranded does he have a sense of that first of all i think it's irresponsible to say americans are stranded they are not <laughs> We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There you go. You know what? You know what's amazing? Ducey was not there every day. I don't know where days off or whatever. That's the only question worth asking. That is the only question. Should that should be the only thing on everybody's mind? Forget leaving Afghanistan. We all wanted to do that. We're just talking about how he left, why he picked that day, why he left people behind, why he left our stuff behind. That's what matters. That's all is that that's what's boggling the minds of everybody, whether they're Biden supporters or not. Nobody can understand his reasoning, his rationale. And Ducey's just trying to get some just get an explanation. That's all. That's not that tough a question. That's not that 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 adversarial or confrontational. Just tell us, what the hell was Joe thinking? And nobody can answer that. Did you see this, by the way? The, we don't have to get into it because uh, I, I want to get to Cuomo and then get to Rob O'Neill. But um, we've done this before. We've questioned Jill Biden's uh, hmm. concern, compassion for her own husband. Yeah. Because she, I think, really wanted him to run and really wanted him to win and really wanted him to be president, even though anyone with any any compassion for the guy would say he's just not fit for the job even 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 though he maybe he once was he's 78 he's going to be 82 in the end of his first term and uh uh rachel campos on uh, fox news said that she blames jill biden and jill biden's office went nuts and they're demanding an apology <laughs> i i knew this would happen because this this is the way you know the, the democrats think particularly first ladies they think they're off limits and michelle obama off limits you know you could not question anything she said or did some and first ladies some yeah i mean <laughs> democrat first ladies yes, like michelle right, right. obama and jill biden dr jill i'm sorry dr jill she's not going to stand for being for her uh, motives being questioned and they're going to be the more he struggles the more they're going to be she better get used to it because there are other people when they see joe struggling are going to say Where's because that's the responsibility of a spouse or a family member. Your responsibility is to look out for your loved one, not put him up there and, and to be humiliated before the world. And this again is still early, and it's going to get worse. And she is going to be, she, she's going to be scrutinized. And, and the, the problem here too is he's not taking any of the punches because he can't. He doesn't have the cognitive ability to do it. So everybody around him is going to, including his wife. I know, and it's you can't really say to him, although maybe Ducey will say, so, you know. <laughs> you sure you still have the, uh, you know, the, the, the marbles, the, the, the marbles. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Jackson, the former pr uh, doctor, physician for Trump and Obama, a former White House physician who's now a congressman from Texas. He flat out said that Joe's doesn't have it anymore. He said Joe's got uh, mental uh, issues and, uh, you know, the, he, he he's going to be leading the charge when they start talking about the 25th Amendment. But. I'm just going to tell you, Jill Biden is going to get 
He's going to hear a lot of questions if this uh, deterioration continues. All right, let's get to the my favorite, I guess, my favorite Cuomo story lately, at least. My favorite Cuomo story. Yesterday was a glorious day for, uh, for Janice Dean and for everybody, all decent people in New York. Uh, all the survivors of the 15,000 people that Andrew Cuomo sent to their deaths in nursing homes, of all the victims, the 11 that are on the record and so many more of his, of his uh, sexual uh, proclivities and, and uh, his bullying. A lot of victims, a lot of victims in Andrew Cuomo's wake as he leaves the governor's, governor's mansion yesterday. His term officially ended, I believe, at midnight. Uh, he's done. You'll expect to see him on CNN with his own show, primetime, I don't know, a couple of weeks. You think he'll take a couple of weeks, go down and get a tan? I think so. Down to Florida maybe and then come back and start working for CNN or start uh, – uh, working for MSNBC, um, but it it was funny. I shouldn't say it was funny. It was notable that he uh, essentially got forced out because of the sexual harassment, the sexual uh, uh, improprieties with the young help. You know, the, his underlings. It was okay with me. Whatever brought him down was okay. But he'd already killed fifteen thousand senior citizens. That was documented. He signed the, the document that sent these seniors to their deaths. We knew that. We talked about that many times. He tried to cover it up. He, he had the phony book where he made five million bucks, which I still don't understand. Had his underlings write the book. He, he ordered tests when tests were rare. You couldn't get a COVID test a year plus ago year. He had uh, physicians that were on the state payroll going to his relatives and friends' houses, driving out to the Hamptons to give Chris Cuomo his own personal uh, COVID test. When people in nursing homes couldn't get tests, he is he was as corrupt as they come. He's an absolute thug and a criminal. But he still had some holdouts. I'm sure he still had some holdouts. Some people, I don't know who, maybe, maybe it was Ben Stiller or De Niro or Chelsea Handler still held it out. After yesterday, Carano, I hope there's not one, not one, because this is, I mean, killing 15,000 senior citizens is bad, but this is a sure sign of a psychopath, of just a rotten human being. He left the governor's mansion in Albany and left his dog behind. He didn't bring the dog. A dog, by the way, he's, he's posed for pictures with, you know, the way the Bidens pretend they have those dogs that are, you know, love, love, beloved family pets, but are just photo ops, photo props. Andrew Cuomo left, I think his name is Captain, kind of a shepherdy looking mutt, left him behind. Terrible. You don't, you don't get worse than that. That's no. just despicable. No. That's just, the, that's just, the, I mean, again, Killing 15,000 people is bad. Harassing, molesting, groping dozens of women, bad. Lying, covering up your crimes, bad. But this is unequivocal, not debatable. You leave a dog. Well, by the way, did he even leave like a note and said, could someone take no, no. Eric Captain? Can someone water him and uh, take him out for us, please? No. no well, as the song goes, oh, it's okay, Joe. Could you feed him if you can? <laughs> take a load up, Manny. Um, Hopefully someone, uh, Janice Dean actually uh, offered to adopt the dog because it is a cute dog, like a mid-sized dog. But obviously Cuomo had no interest. He's busy chasing broad, man. He's, you know him right now. He's, he's got his shirt. He's probably headed out to the Hamptons. He's got that summer shirt unbuttoned down to here. He's probably got a chain and he's got a drink in you know, each hand. And he and his brother are dancing. On the, and he is just looking for action. He's I mean, looking for a really young, really hot 
uh, hotties, and he doesn't give a damn about the, the dead senior citizens or the, the, the crimes he committed or the victims or the dog. He doesn't care about any of it. But he is gone. I guess they're not going to impeach him now, which is too bad because oh. we learned with Trump, you could still impeach guys after they are out of office, but they're not going to impeach him, which is too bad. That means he can still run. I don't think he will. I think he's 63 years old. I think he's pretty well tarnished at this point. And it's a it's a good day for, for, for all the victims' families. And uh, I hope they're all enjoying it, having a little toast to, to Captain. Because let's face it, that dog will probably find a loving home. He didn't have one when he no. was living with Andrew Cuomo. He Way didn't better have, off. He's, he's better off. He's better off. But anyway, all right, let's do it. We will get to uh, uh, Rob O'Neill, the man who killed bin Laden, and, uh, and uh, the man who is challenging. I mean, really taking on the uh, the suits, the uh, the generals, the leaders of our U.S. military, and he's uh, he's uh, not backing down. I, uh, I I I like this strategy. He's, as he points out, he's taking Twitter much more seriously. He's taking his role much more seriously because he knows he's speaking for a lot of people when he questions the motives and tactics of the generals and the politicians, including the. Uh, the empty suit in the White House, but uh, I will uh, do Shay and whatever else we got. When we get back, we will talk to uh, Rob O'Neill, the man who killed Bin Laden. Did you know that Shea Concrete is the largest manufacturer of recon retaining wall systems in North America? Well, you do now. In fact, in 2020, Shea set a new company record when they man- manufactured 178,000 square feet of retaining wall. This is a testament to Shea's legendary teamwork from engineering to manufacturing to dispatch and delivery. As the guys at Shea like to say, teamwork makes the teamwork. They do. I've been around them when they say that. Shea Concrete's high-performing precast concrete retaining walls stand up to New England's active climate and come in a wide variety of shapes, designs, and textures to meet your retaining wall needs. So whether you need a residential, a commercial, or an industrial application, Shea has a dedicated team that will assist you with conceptual design, site walks, and installation. Let Shea show you the way. Call Shea Concrete at 800-696-SHEA. That's 800-696-SHEA. Or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. All right, joining us now is uh, friend Rob O'Neill. Rob O'Neill, of course, known as the man who shot Bin Laden, former Navy SEAL, author of the great book, Operator, about his eventful life in the SEALs, and a uh, really good follow on Twitter. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm well, Jerry. How are you doing today? Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks for taking a few minutes. I got to ask you right away, though, that, uh, I mean, I'm, I've been following you on Twitter for, for years. Lately, you've been on fire, and there's real... There's real passion. There's real pain in these tweets, and 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 including, by the way, your your new bio, which you changed to just a dude who fought for the country for no reason. Now that's that's saying a lot, man. Is that really how you feel now that you fought for this country for no reason? Yeah, I mean, it's a question of we all go there. I, I remember even watching TV before I got to Afghanistan. Everyone running through the streets, shaving their beards, playing music, which. <clears throat> you think would be allowed in normal and um you know I, I had friends that died right off the bat friends that died throughout a lot of friends die on one day and um um yeah i just just watching um you know so many friends die right off the bat especially uh the command where i worked afghanistan was our area of operation and we just you know we like everything from helicopters being shot down to ambushes a lot of death a lot of afghans dying um 
and just to try to pull the rug out because of a political choice, which wasn't made very smart. I mean, you don't just pull the military out and leave 10 to, 10 to 17,000 Americans in Kabul. Uh, and this is me talking to a lot of veterans that I know, a lot of guys. I mean, now, now they're they're talking to vets and putting up crisis lines because a lot of guys are wondering why they wasted their lives for, for that nothing mission. And but, but you did something kind of important. I mean, you killed bin Laden, you killed the world's leading terrorist. So it seems like at least you got that. I mean, uh, there are a lot of other guys, as you point out, who, who've you know, lost legs or, or lost their lives. I always wonder what a guy like you says to a widow. I know you know lots of widows. If they called you today and say, you know, why did my husband die? Obviously, you want to be tactful. You don't want to just say for nothing. What do you say? Yeah, you don't want to say not for nothing. But then, you know, you want you want to ask them the way that I started off is I would ask them. So when your husband died. What was the name of the terrorist that they were going after? And then when the widow couldn't tell me who it is, like maybe their stupid bosses were, were elevating people to where they don't need to be. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't need to go after this guy or this guy. And it got to a point where a lot of men and women who died in combat died because of boredom. And not necessarily their boredom, it was the boredom of their leaders. And, and it was the boredom of uh, someone who's a leader 500 miles away who realizes the more missed he gets under commander, he can get a new medal. And that's and a lot of that happened. A lot of us were saying that internally, we didn't have the platforms that we do now, as far as Twitter or Instagram or getting on television. That uh, a lot of these a lot of these bosses over there, we have you know, we haven't won a war since since um, World War II, and and uh, and yet we still have. If you notice, a lot of these generals running around there with pictures of themselves um, with with massive medals. You know, you know who else has massive medals? North Koreans. They haven't fought in a long time either. A lot of these bosses are really good at getting together, kissing each other ass, and then giving them medals for it. The most entertaining part, I think, of your Twitter feed, Rob, has been the uh, the feuds with the generals. And I think you know the people are on your side. It feels like you're speaking for all the guys on the ground, the guys doing the fighting. And these generals, uh, we're getting a good look at them. They're really politicians, are they not? And Millie's the worst. I mean, Millie has to go, does he not? Yeah, I, I don't think Millie has a choice because the, the you know I've had a, about a week to think about this. Either he advised the president to do something, and the president said no, and it turned into a complete disaster. So if he advised on the right side of that, he should just resign because they didn't take his advice. He should go. If he agreed with the president on this disaster, he should get fired. So it's it's either are you are you are you stupid or just incompetent? Which which one is it? Because that's that's basically your only option at this point. Anyone anyone who's ever been on the ground in Afghanistan could have told you leaving Afghanistan like this, especially uh, Bagram Airfield right off the bat, is the worst ever possibly made. With this administration, I'm not surprised because they make horrible decisions all the time, with it, which is very common with a lot of the leftists. But uh, yeah, Millie should be out. Um, I think the Secretary of Defense probably figured the same thing. Um, I mean. I haven't even been the worst one. Uh, they're not just calls for impeachment, but they're calls for court martial for President Biden because this is this is a catastrophe that will go down in American history as the worst decision ever made, a series of the worst decisions ever made, and it's all kind of based on a roll of the dice. Like maybe if we pull out completely, they'll forget about us, and then we have people home. It would be great. But I could have told you right, um, the Taliban's coming in. They're going to take over. They're going to start murdering and torturing people, which they're doing. 
And, uh, and, it's, and it's not just a talking point to me. It's, I, I get so down in the dumps about this because this, this, a lot of my life was spent in Afghanistan, not just fighting people, but away from my family. And now just for the cause to get ripped out from under us when we could have been thinking the right thing to do for the past 20 years, which we haven't. And all this going on, all these people in charge are worried about is their next promotion, their next job. All these politicians want to do is have a job of power. So do we have we have uh, senators who have Chinese spies driving their cars for 20 years. We had Chinese spies who um, targeted politicians and were, they were sleeping with them. And then this is it. And now, if you notice now, they're going to start trying to get away from this. And they also being the media, because the deep state is not just a political hacks in Washington, D.C. It's also the media. It's the bankers in uh, um, New York. It's a lot of people in Hollywood. And they're just going to go back to their new religion, which is the vaccine for COVID, and show me your papers. That's what they're going to do once. They're going to try to make Afghanistan go away so we don't know anything about it. And all we'll have, it's amazing that the only way we'll have to hear from people in Afghanistan is through the leftist uh, Twitter site that keeps them verified, yet former President Trump can't. You stop and just realize... What's going on, the big picture, um, no one can tell me really. If, even if you ask 85% of the public couldn't tell me who General Milley is, I guarantee they could tell you who Kim Kardashian is. <laughs> There's little things going on with Hollywood. Look at the shiny object. I mean, what, what, what were the, uh, the necessary business open during this BS lockdown? It was Amazon, Walmart, Starbucks, and the liquor stores. Keep them watching TV, keep them drunk, keep them dumb. They realize if the Democrats had an honest voice, an honest, um, they'd get destroyed in the ballot boxes. 70,000 people didn't show up for Trump's thing last night just because a photo op. Joe Biden can't even fill an auditorium. It tells you what's happening. The deep state's working and they're winning because we're dumb. You, you, on July 8th, Biden said he sung the praises of the Afghan army and said they were up for the fight. And then... Uh, after, you know, they gave up after two days, Millie said, nobody saw that coming. Nobody could have expected. You know better than anyone the, the, what the Afghan army was capable of and what the situation was like on the ground. Were they just, just lying? That all? Were they just lying about the, the, uh, the, ability, the capability of the Afghans? Someone at the level of chairman of Joint Chiefs has um, 20 to 25 people following him around doing everything from carrying his bags for him, setting up his Wi-Fi and his laptop and kissing his butt, telling him what he wanted to hear. Nobody knew it was going to happen is those people, also senior officers, kissing his butt, uh, telling him what he wants to hear. And yeah, nobody saw it coming. Ask anyone on the ground who, who saw it coming. I have buddies of mine, the way we would just, back, and this is when I was getting out in 2012, when we were forced to bring Afghan out. And they, we would joke with each other saying, it's not an Afghan-led mission like these generals make us lie to the public and lie to the politicians about. It's like bringing your daughter to work one day and she's four, <laughs> and you're over there working, but she's painting on the dry erase marker with the dry erase marker on the board, and she's yelling, "Daddy, I'm helping!" And you just look over once in a while between sips of coffee. Yeah, you're helping. No, I, I could have told you this was going to happen. The Afghans aren't there to fight. Inshallah, they'll they'll show up for work if God willing. But God wasn't willing for me to show up today there i mean there are afghans that can fight unfortunately they're not on their side i can prove it right now to any general who's listening and any general or admiral has a problem with me if we have an army that we trained for 20 years and we outnumber the taliban times two and they lost in three days my guess is that somebody's not fighting my guess is that someone threw those american guns to the ground and they ran 
to whichever stand was to the north of them. That's what happened. We knew it was going to happen. It doesn't take a genius to win this war, to, 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 to solve what needs to be happened now. Um, but apparently it doesn't take a general either because they don't know what the hell they're doing. You had, you had a story in your book, which I've repeated many times, which kind of uh, illuminates that point that, the, you know, you weren't dealing with really well-trained, motivated fighters. I forget who it was, but it was an Afghan guy, and I think it was an officer. And he thought when the sun set, it was a dragon blowing out the sun. And your point was, this is who we're dealing with. I wish and I, wish, I wish I was this up, and I tell people if you've never been set foot in Afghanistan, um, you wouldn't believe what it's like. And I don't mean I don't mean these politicians that fly to Bagram Airfield or Kabul and they get you know parade around the airfield while they're wearing their body armor and whatever they're being told, and then they leave. That's not Afghanistan. Afghanistan's the Korangal Valley. Afghanistan's in the Shuriak Valley, the Pesh River Valley. This is where this is where they really. Yeah, and th there were people. Um, that we we had their uh, their communication. They're convinced there's a that wakes up every single day that spits a jewel into the sky, <laughs> and and I'm serious. And if uh, if they said the only way is with an, a, a German made B-52, which doesn't exist, uh, somehow they got their their in, uh, intelligence wrong. Uh, the only way to kill them is that. But if they're nice to the dragon, he'll light the sun every day. And it's so ri ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm not making this up. And we'd go to our bosses and say, here, let's go tell these guys that they think the Taliban is. We'll kill the dragon by ourselves and guarantee the sun rises tomorrow. And some of, some of my bosses were like, well, that's stupid. And I'm like, well, is it? I mean, is it stupid? This whole thing is stupid. You said that we had this war won in 2004. Uh, what did you mean by that? And do you think that's when we should have left, 2004? Um, well... Yes and no. Um, we should have, we should definitely shouldn't have surged like we did. The surge did work in a, in Iraq, and um, just the whole uh, monkey see monkey do type attitude of of the military. This is the way we've always done it. Let's just surge in Afghanistan. Everyone on the ground in Afghanistan said sending more people into Afghanistan is a horrible idea. Nobody listens. We surged. What we should have done is just kept the the, the airfields open. The, you know, we had a really great airfield in Bagram. We had one in uh, Jalalabad, which turned into a really nice place, and then there's even one in Kandahar. Keep one in Kabul for the embassy, but you don't need Marines, air and soldiers driving around scaring people because whether or, like, whether or not you like it, the longer you stay in a place, you're going to be seen as an occupier, and that's just what was going to happen. We knew it. we needed to keep those uh, um, Jalalabad airfield type places open, cross border intelligence and cross border operations, like Bin Laden. Or uh, if and when they well, and we knew where a lot of them were. We just didn't bomb them because we're weak. We're we're a very very tough weak nation. We won't do what needs to be done. Like uh, if you notice the Russian embassy and the Chinese embassy, they didn't close in Kabul. They're still open right now. You know why? Because even the Taliban realizes you mess with China or Russia, they'll kill you. We're not like that. Like maybe we'll we might uh, give you a scolding, make you sit through a seminar, and then tell you which bathroom to use. <laughs> You're you're you know a lot more about this than I do, but I have a, a a military question for you. If you're planning to withdraw to leave a place, does it make sense to leave you know your people and all your stuff there, or would you would you advise taking that with you? No, you, I, I think you take it with you, and you don't need to do a drawdown this fast, and you certainly don't give a timeline. The Taliban, Al Qaeda, ISIS—they don't need to know the even the puppet uh, um, government that we put in place. Um, didn't need to know when we were leaving. Yeah, you bring it with you because you're just enabling the enemy, giving them, giving them all that stuff. And it's, I mean, it's not that it, we make stuff so difficult; it's almost laughable. 
It's like the, the, here, here's the solution. If any general is listening, here's a solution right now. Get 8,000 Marines, give them, let them drive through the streets of Kabul, kill everyone who is outside. And then when people go inside, don't kill them. Uh, uh, then grab the Americans, turn around one of the 10 planes we should have and leave. Keep it simple. It's it, this is not difficult. But then we, you know, we just get these people in charge who are so worried about diversity and so worried about uh, political experimentation with the military. When we've, we've we've been so guarded right now, we've forgotten the military. The U.S. Marines and, and Army Infantry and the Airborne, Navy SEALs, Green Berets. We are there to kill people, and we'll and we'll kill you good. Seriously, like kill you good. We won't even torture you. But now there there are. The, the, let me break it this soliloquy down. There are morons in charge. I, I think I know one general to say that you have a problem with white rage right here. That's what he would say. You know, yeah, yeah. That, I think it was Millie too. That's another crazy thing too that they're trying to get us through there. When I was a Navy SEAL for a long time, we would talk to each other. None of that matters. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're a woman. If you're a woman, I don't care if you're a gay dude. I really don't care. As long as you can do the mission and we did not lower the standards, we'll just do the mission. That's what it was. That's how the enemy thinks. That's how the sniper sniper force uh, feel in, in the Marines. Um, it's these politicians and especially the media. They just want this out there because they want an argument, because they need the ratings, because the, you know, when Babe Ruth say the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. What, what do you think happened? I mean, I know now what you'd like to see happen. It's probably not going to happen. You're not going to send the 8,000 in there and just start shooting people. What is going to happen? What is you? What are you expecting in the next couple of weeks? Well, they are going to send eight thousand more in. Yeah, I describe it, and I think I could just be very, very hurt and angry right now. Right. I don't mean shoot everybody. I just mean the guys with the guns that look like they might be Taliban. You know, give them a quick nine ball to the forehead. Um, the rest of them will leave. They'll, they'll leave when they fight us. But we, we're, we, unfortunately, we will need to take some some of these airfields back and it's going to take a couple thousand troops. And and this is a typical Democrat, just like yeah, let's just all leave. We want to go. Oh, I was completely wrong. Let's send in another 16,000 troops for real combat. That's, I mean, that's just, it's just what's going to happen. And it's because people in charge don't listen to people below them because they're better than them. They're more powerful and they're elected officials. And it's stupid. I've called them the resignation for everyone. I mean, some of these, um, even some of these Republican high and mighty right now, I think they were senators when we lost Vietnam. It's time to leave. But what happens if there are uh, hostages? I mean, it seems like at some point they're going to, have some Americans and or or uh, some allies, and they're going to say we're not giving you them back unless you do X. Is that well? That's when you, that's when you go take them, and that's why we have hostage rescue teams. That's what I, I was a part of a hostage rescue team for a long time. You send them in, you send Delta Force, and send Marsoc in, and you don't need to talk to the Taliban and ask, "Are you going to give them back?" You go in, you take them. It's that simple. The the Somali pirates didn't want to give up Captain Richard Phillips in 2009, but my team jumped in. We flew from Virginia to the ocean. We jumped in, we killed them, and we took the hostage. Again, not complicated. Kill the bad guy, save the good guy, get the girl. That's how it works. What does, uh, what does a Taliban guy fighter do with a Black Hawk helicopter? Do they, do they learn how to fly it? Will they no, learn how to use the drone? They, they probably try to chop it up with their sword and eat it. <laughs> they, um, that must just offend the hell out of you. It offends the hell out of me that we just left billions of dollars worth of technology, just yeah. left it there. I don't. They're posing in our military uniforms, making fun of Iwo Jima. There's a picture of that out. Uh, yes. uh, Taliban wearing American uniforms, making fun of Iwo Jima. And I mean, if that's not a slap in the face, I don't know what is. I, you know, I wish we had some Iwo Jima Marines in there. This wouldn't last very long. 
it just seems like so wrong that they now have all our technology. Do they share it with the Chinese? Do they use it? Do they force the Afghans to change sides and fly for them now? Yeah, uh, the Afghans, they'll change sides. A lot of them will. And, and God bless them. Most people in that country are just trying to get on with their lives. And now they're living in hell. And um, as you know, as a father on the ground or something like that, I would my recommendation would be do whatever you need to do and to keep your family alive. And that's just that. Uh, they're not going to share anything with China. All of their natural resources, the China's going to steal anyway. And then they'll have a gateway through Pakistan and Afghanistan to the sea so they can get. To... China's going to be a big push here. I mean, we're, we're like I was talking about earlier, we're in the 24-hour news cycle um, where none of this matters in a couple of days. But uh, China's building, and China's going to build a naval, naval base in Western Africa. And I didn't misspeak there. And, and um, watch, mark my words on this one. It sucks to be right all the time, but I usually am. Uh, wait, for, wait for Taiwan. Um, wait, wait till China takes over Taiwan and then starts moving near Australia. And uh, that would be a point where, as Americans, what we use as a, as a triage is, uh, is uh, forward defense, science, solidarity, and deterrence. And we've lost all of those now. I got to ask, Rob, what is the Irish fighting rock? It feels like something I should know. I should know what that is. What is it? The Irish Fighting Rock is um, what one of my friends pulled one night. He's a, one of my brothers from uh, Chicago who's Irish heritage. Irish and Lithuanian, I got to add, because that gives a little more fire to it. He ended up getting in a, in a, in a fight at, at a bar, at a house party one night where he wasn't invited, left the place, tore back a piece of the street off, went back in, shattered the bar with it, and said, remember me? I didn't come alone this time. I brought my Irish Fighting Rock. Um, he said, I'm not really sure what that meant, but I just had 24 out loud. Time to bring the Irish fighting rock to the, uh, to the enemy, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's done it. Um, so you don't know obviously how this plays out, but do you fear the worst like I do that this is going to get worse before it gets better? Or you think we're going to be out of there and make a clean break in the next Well, I mean, I think the only optimism that I have is, um, that the Taliban only wants to keep Afghanistan and the valleys. Right. They have there, and they want to run Sharia in the Islamic State of Afghanistan. The, the problem is now that ISIS and Al Qaeda are rolling back in there, and they're there right now. Uh, they're going to start training up again, and, and it, uh, they, they have places to train. They have places they can do stuff where we should be able to bomb them, but we gave up all of our airfields. And, uh, they're going to gear towards attacks, and not just for America at first. It's going to be in the West, and I feel really bad. I mean. You know, it, I, I would come through our southern border right now if I was a terrorist and want to attack this country. And the, and the issue is we're so um, head to head with uh, who's wrong, who's right politically that we've forgotten about Al Qaeda. And just because you don't think you're at war with someone doesn't mean they're not at war with you. And, I, and they want to hit us again in the homeland. And it's scary. I hate it. Um, I wish there was no war. And I really would love it if everyone could sit down over coffee, chill out. Not the case. These are fanatics. And the problem is. Um, they're believers. If you want to hear the truth, follow Mikuya on Twitter, M-C-H-O-O-Y-A-H. And oh, that's uh, right. if, you want to get, if you want to get involved in some online fights with people who don't know what they're talking about, it's a great place to do it. Normally, I just use Twitter for entertainment, but I've been a little bit serious lately because it's such a shame <clears throat> what's happening. So many, so many of my brothers and sisters who've lost their, lost their lives and how much you know, time I've missed away from my kids going to Afghanistan for a politician to come in here have the election and just get rid of it. So it's a very dark week for um, uh, a lot of the veterans. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of them. They, they're all in agreement with me. I don't care what anybody says. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, they you know, want, they want to go um, and save these Americans. 
I still have faith, faith in this country. I just think we really need to clean from the top down and get new people in charge. And, um, <clears throat> and everything, this, this affects everything from the indoctrination of our children by the Marxist teachers they have in public school, which everything like that. We really need people to be aware. Little things like uh, voter ID, one vote on one day in person, because this is what happens. <clears throat> it's, it's a shame to see it come to this, even though Nikita Khrushchev uh, warned us about it in the 50s, told us he's gonna beat America without firing a shot by taking over our schools, our media, and our entertainment, which they did. So it's just, a, it's, a, it's a scary, I try to talk to even my kids about it. They don't believe me, but it's like, you know what? It's not gonna be my problem. I did my part. I tried to fight, best of luck. Well, we appreciate the time, Rob, and uh, keep it up because uh, it, it, I'm, I'm telling you, I feel like you're speaking for a lot of people uh, when you're tweeting and, and talking. And, and uh, we appreciate the time and uh, good luck, my friend. And uh, go oh, on, read. Get, get Rob's book. Is it The Operator? The Operator. Or just uh, the, the Operator, Operator is my book. And I got another one coming out with Dakota Meyer in March called The Way Forward that we wrote about what to do next, which is kind of fitting. So Ooh, that'll good. be uh, Get The Operator. You can get a, I will sign anything you want. Uh, uh, at robertjoneal.com. I will seriously sign anything you ask me. I've had some funny requests. <laughs> and that's what we need, you know, is a little bit of morale, a little bit of humor, joke with each other. I don't need to sign. Yeah, you know, I used to break glass and kick people in the face or whatever else. I'll, I'll sign something about how great of a mattress salesman someone is. <laughs> but I, I, I mentioned that uh, when uh, the New York Times said that uh, Bin Laden was a good family man. You had perhaps your greatest tweet ever when you said he used his wife as a human shield. Yeah, he did. Not, not a very good family man. And he kept uh, his other wives downstairs. So keep, keep the young one upstairs, the other two downstairs. Uh, yeah, I'm and sure you're a good family man. Thank, thank God he was eight feet tall, so you got a clean shot. But uh, we tall. appreciate it. Easy shot. <laughs> All right, Rob, thanks. We will talk thanks, to you again down the road. That is Rob O'Neill. The man who shot Bin Laden, the T-M-W-S-B-L, the man who shot Bin Laden and the, and the uh, author of The Operator. He's got another book coming out. That's good news because the last one was excellent. And uh, he's a great follow on Twitter because he speaks for a lot of people. He speaks for you know the people on the ground, the people who do the fighting, and he takes on the generals, the hack politicians like Millie and this guy, Tony Thomas, a general who he's been feuding with, and it's been good. <laughs> if, you like, if you like those kind of things, he's a good follow and a good guy to root for and he pisses off a lot of the generals and a lot of the politicians and uh he uh holds nothing back he holds nothing back but uh we appreciate his time especially with the technical difficulties we had Scarano, i wish i could blame you but you just can't though apparently uh he's uh you know in the flood zones in nashville and uh there's not really good uh, wi-fi these days with the uh, you know with hurricane Henri. <laughs> why, why do we need French names? Can't we just stick with it? Can't it just be Henry? I thought it was. Is that it's really Henri? It's Henri. Oh, Didn't you hear, no, didn't no, you hear no. Biden, Bin Laden? I mean, Bin Laden. Uh, Biden come out and talk about Henri. I only listen to him when I'm required to for work. By the way, we had perhaps the dumbest tweet ever, which is saying a lot from Biden last uh, or uh, Sunday night, which was just so strange. After all that um, was going on in uh, Afghanistan, you know, people behind enemy lines, this is what uh, your president tweeted out Sunday night. He says, to those in Andre's path, don't forget that you may need to seek shelter while still battling COVID and the Delta variant. So wear a mask and try to observe social distancing. And to everyone, across the country.
don't get caught by the next storm. Get vaccinated now. Okay, Carano, you're you're a pretty smart guy. You know, you're for the for a producer. You're not a total moron. Could you explain that to me? Oh, I mean, it's he's the. I mean, his eye is on the wrong thing. I mean, come on. But right, why, what, why, why, what does getting vaccinated have to do with a hurricane? By the nothing. way, you're tweeting this out with ten thousand people behind enemy lines. He, what? What? And again, it's not him. It's not him. It was at night. It was Sunday night. He was without a doubt tucked away in bed. Can you tell me why someone in that office would tweet about? Seeking shelter, getting vaccinated, and maintaining social distances during a hurricane. You know what the most troubling thing is? It's not it's not that he's losing his marbles, is that before he completely lost his marbles, he he brought in the absolute most incompetent team around him. Everybody around him is incompetent. You know, from Blinken to the VP to everybody it's like no one to to million I know Ben's been there, but yes, his, the like cost. why would you sur- I mean it's just it is amateur hour at the very well, they, top. Right, you know, they bragged that Trump, Trump tweeted dumb stuff, and he did. But in the middle of this catastrophe, ongoing crisis in Afghanistan, you were telling people when they go to shelters during a hurricane to keep your distance. By the way, while you fly people off plane uh, out of the country, with, you know, sitting on top of each other while people are pouring over the border without you know vaccinations or masks or anything else, you're saying. When you go to a shelter during a storm, make sure to so this is the president. The people around him, you can tell what their what their the most important things to them are. You know, so for for whatever reason it is that you know for more power, for more control, whatever reasons that it is, I don't know. But yes, they want us afraid of COVID, getting vaccinated, and eyes on that, not on well, not I think on the clearly stuff the COVID as we've talked about, as Rob O'Neill talked about the. Uh, COVID is a, a distraction, a convenient distraction. Yeah. You can make it seem like a plague or the black plague or, you know, just this, this uh, existential crisis because um, you have to, because the thing in Afghanistan, the, the, the roiling you know, crisis in Afghanistan is so serious and so dire that you need an existential crisis to distract. And I don't think Henri, <laughs> Henri quite did it. Henri was a lot of rain in most places and it wasn't, a deadly it you know wasn't the deadly storm that they were probably hoping for and i guess you could come up with something else some other issue you could go back to climate change but i don't think you're going to distract the american public from what's happening in afghanistan that easily this it's is such a, a debacle and, and it's pretty much one thing that unites us if you see a bunch of right, uh, right. our people in harm's way that unites us like that the you can't hide that from the public and the media aren't hiding it either they know this is like this oh. is a not this is a this is a joining issue for the American people. I think, well, you know, Rob said it, I've been saying it. No one can give you an answer as to why we didn't wait to get our stuff out, our people out, why we didn't send out that little memo telling people to get to the embassy or get on a plane, get out, because we're pulling out. And instead, we left 10,000 to 15,000 people to fend for themselves, and we left uh, Blackhawk helicopters as kind of a housewarming gift to the Taliban. It makes no sense. And as I said, there are some diehards like that, like like Jennifer Rubin or Matthew Dowd or these or Joy Reid, and they're trying to spin it, and they can't because there's just no way. I mean, now they're saying it's an amazing evacuation effort. We're getting tens of thousands of people out. Well, sure, but we shouldn't have even had to do that. Yeah, if I'm, so they don't know what to say. And if I'm China, I would make a deal uh, with the Afghan people. Hey, we'll come in. We'll train you how to use this stuff, uh, and you know, for mineral rights. Uh, in your or, country. or for or letting us, you know, inspect all the technology they left behind. Oh, Let's see those drones. Yeah, sure. It's just so insane. I mean, you can't 
Rob couldn't. T- no one can answer why we left our stuff. Our why stuff and our people. No. Why we didn't get the jets and the Blackhawks and the drones out of there? Why hell we left uniforms? Why? <laughs> so that they could uh, mock Iwo Jima? It just couldn't couldn't have been handled any worse. You could asked, not have been handled any worse. You asked on yesterday's show, um, what is the political strategy here? It can't be because they wanted this to coincide with the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It can't be that, right? Tell me it's well, not he wanted, that. He, yeah, he wanted out by 9-11, but I don't I don't know the advantage. I don't I guess I just don't understand why you would do it so half has you know, half asked. Why you would leave stuff? Why would leave? I don't get it. I mean, I'm serious. I've been reading all I can read and watching all I can watch, and there's no logical explanation. Yes, he wanted out. He wanted to say we got out. I got I got us out. We got out by 9/11. Great, you know, isn't this wonderful? This is what everyone wants. But why leave our stuff? Why leave our people? Why risk the humanitarian crisis that's probably unfolding as we speak? We will see. Uh, now that I guess they're bragging about you know how many people have gotten out, which is good. Get them out, but it doesn't really it don't doesn't make any sense to me why we had to do it this way. But who no. the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But uh, why don't we uh, leave it there for today, Carano? Thanks to uh, Rob O'Neill, the man who shot Bin Laden. Thanks to everybody for watching, for listening. Thanks for Carano. Thanks to Carano for editing. You're earning your money today, brother. I. Uh, they won't even notice. They won't know what's going on. Yeah, well, you know, we we we'll find out. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. Let's see if you can uh, let's see if you can deliver on your promise to make that all sound seamless. I'll do my best. I, thanks. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, and we will do it again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.